Welcome to the Potential for What podcast. On this podcast, we explore how a range of business leaders unlock the potential in people. We'll hear how they've done it, find out what has worked, what hasn't, and why this is so important in getting and keeping great people. Most businesses focus on the here and now. That is all about performance. But at Let's Talk Talent, we like to think differently as we fundamentally believe everyone has potential. The question is for what? So let's explore that together. I'm your host, Joe Taylor, Managing Director of Let's Talk Talent, a talent management and organizational development consultancy based in London, the UK. I have a request. If you value this show, if you enjoy these stories or find this wisdom or inspiration useful, please subscribe to the Potential for What podcast to listen to future episodes. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Potential for What podcast. I'm Jo Taylor, MD, and I'm really excited to be joined today by Tiffany. She's a digital strategist and co-founder of Curate42. How are you doing, Tiff? It's so good to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me on this morning, Jo. Brilliant. So I'm really excited because you look at the future. You look at the kind of future skills and potential careers that people can have through your company, Curate42. And I wanted to start by asking you a question. How do you unlock your potential for careers that don't even exist at the moment? Yes, it's such an interesting endeavour, isn't it? I mean, the work that I do now didn't exist five, ten years ago. And all of the time we're helping younger talent or talent within organisations understand new digital skills, new ways of working, new processes. But that's changing so fast with the advent of Web3 technology, AI, now generative AI in terms of that skill set. So young people at the start of their careers very much often have to, as you said, navigate a career path that doesn't yet exist. And, you know, how can you even, you know, start to think about that? And there's a few things that I always share with people about to start on their career, because actually the job that they do now, you know, they might do something entirely different in five years time or something that's not yet involved. So how can you start to plan for that? And there's a couple of pieces of advice, you know, I always share, which is read and listen but curate your content really well. So essentially be well adversed in what's happening in your industry, you know, read, you know, perhaps the blogs, follow key authors, pull that together in a way that makes it very easy for you to digest. Listen to brilliant podcasts, um, you know, listen to things that interest you about your industry, because there you're going to have a look ahead, really, in terms of what's coming that you can be able to, you know, help yourself with. The other thing is about networking and and really kind of proactively, I guess, seeking new people and new rooms. So if you surround yourself with people with the same ideas, if you surround people with the same cohort as you, the same age group as you, the same demographics, and while that's fun to shoot the breeze, I think it's really kind of important in terms of career path navigation to look at where different conversations are happening and where different spaces I always try to inform myself about opposing views to ones that I have to try and understand those different points of views that make me a more, you know, more rounded communicator, if you like. Don't ever be afraid to ask help for mentoring, even if that's just, please, can we just have one coffee a year? I'd love your opinion on it. I think young people are always surprised that when they reach out to older people in industry who've been around the block a little bit and have got some skills to be able to share how willing and able people are to be able to help younger people even if it's in an informal basis so really and and really be curious be curious about what's going on in your industry so there's some just sort of top line things if you're 
looking at your career path that you can you can start to adopt and, and bring into your working practice? What's really interesting is when we've been talking to other people about potential, some of the things that you're talking about, like curiosity, sort of learning agility, growth mindset, networking, you know, ap- apply now, don't they? So in a way, yes. are we setting people up for success by thinking about getting people to think about that future focus rather than become obsessed with their sort of performance and past performance and things that have gone previously or the way that their parents did it or the way that their peers have done it is there a danger that by looking in the future you forget the past and don't focus on the present well it's it's interesting and I think everyone kind of approaches this differently but essentially the past has made you who you are today and there are some key lessons from the past there's things that I reflect on you know in my past that still help me today and the things that I've learned in my past that still help me today strategically You know, when you're looking at a new technology, actually, there's some good doctrine in kind of strategic approaches that stand up, whether it's social media or Web3 or, you know, a new frontier. Who are your audience? Where are they? What platforms are they on? What do you want them to do as a result of your interaction with them? You know, there's some principles. So I wouldn't say, you know, put all your past in the bin, if you like. But actually, when you're looking at developing, then there's a balance, isn't there, to by taking the good basis and strong foundations of what you learned. And then looking forward to the future to look at how you might be able to learn, uh, be curious and, and, and adopt new practices. So what does the role of education play then in driving that? If you look at our STAR model, the sort of skills, training, attributes and relationships, and you look at the skills and the training, how does that play a part in sort of someone's personal and professional development? It's really interesting because when you say education or training to people, you know, they, they immediately kind of assume a classroom or a Zoom or a face-to-face meeting. And actually, we know in good learning and development that 10% of education is is only kind of coursework and training, really. And, and you know, it's 70% of challenging experiences and assignments. And when people talk about training, I think, you know, they put training in a box and like, okay, that's formal training and I'm in a classroom and I'm learning in that regard. I think it's really important that some skills are formally taught. I do also think that there is absolutely nothing like being put in the scenario and having to deliver against that. But with a map, a roadmap, you know, what training can give you is the structure and how you apply that structure. But having that map of how to do things, I think, is is absolutely critical. But I do think actually applying that is no good, for example, having training and then not using that for three, six months because you'll forget it all. It's no good doing training and then coming out with a long list of things you need to look up and apply. That should be done within the context of the training. You know, training should be a little bit more experiential in solving your problems while you are in perhaps a course, bringing your real world examples that are worked through in terms of that educational piece. So how much does a person's grit play a part in them managing their career or realizing their potential yeah it's really interesting isn't it because um you could look at it well actually you need grit don't you you need grit to go forward I've got peers who are just extremely lucky right like naturally lucky period and there's there's a few brilliant books out at the moment about how to encourage and have more luck in your life so there's a there's a balance of different things that help you I mean you know I'm a natural extrovert and I think that 
being an extrovert does give you an advantage because you're happy to be the only you know, person in a new room. You're happy to go on stage. You're happy to do meet extra people within that. And therefore, you need, not everyone is extroverted, of course. And you have to look at actually how can perhaps people who are more introverted or perhaps shyer or earlier on the career, you know, they might be extroverted as a person, but more introverted because they've got a learning span and a, a pathway to go on their career yet. So there's a couple of things that play into that. The grit is one of them, determination, you know, uh, resilience. All of those things are absolutely, you know, kind of key power tools really to build on in terms of your strengths. There's also humility, openness, curiosity, you know, warm friendliness. All of those things will help, you know, you be able to make relationships. And really, you know, a career path, it might be, well, this job and this position. It's the people business. And it's about relationships and make understanding people and how they communicate, how they communicate differently, I think is still as much a core skill set as grit to be able to get on with it. I think you're totally right. It's about putting the human first, isn't it? You know, the danger is that when you look at any succession planning or career approach, you're put in a box, you're, put, you're given a label, oh, I'm high potential. Well, what happens if you're put in the box that says low potential? What the hell does that mean, right? It's not just one thing, it's a multitude. And when you look at the human, it's very much thinking about what makes them, what what makes one CEO really successful in one organization may not make them successful in another one. So how do you spot that potential in others? It's a really interesting question. And and just kind of allude to that before I answer that directly. I saw a brilliant talk, a TED talk by an actress who had autism. And she said, everyone talks about autism as a spectrum. And they think that you are either a little bit OCD or Rain Man, you know, in just in terms of that profile. And she said, I see it as a bloom of a color chart. And in some certain instances, I'm like this. And in other instances, I'm like that. And if you take that model that she beautifully described, and I'm paraphrasing very briefly here, in terms of people's potential, Being in this low potential bracket for a CEO, for example, might be just someone's circumstances need to change and they're high potential in a different environment. And therefore, there's, you know, a different people environment, a different industry, a different commercial setup, you know, a different relationship with a board or a senior team. And I just wanted to be mindful of that when we're talking about spotting potential, because I don't want anyone to feel you've been classified in this and you're in that for life. You can change your future. And you only you really can change your future in that regard. But in terms of spotting potential, and it's really the potential to do what, because it's so such a wide thing. But I think one of the key pillars, and we've touched on it really, is curiosity. That for me is a real trigger. If I'm working with building a new team and I build, you know, all kinds of new teams for, you know, the companies that uh, I work with and clients that I work with, and essentially, if someone has taken the trouble to find out that little bit extra, you know, to have registered on your website, to download your tool, to understand a little bit more and comes to the table with that, that immediately kind of perks up my interest because I'm like, oh, they're really interested in what we're doing. I haven't asked them to go and do that. And there for me, in terms of potential, people have different kind of potential spans. You know, they might be early developers, late developers, you know, um, people flourish when they come out of maybe a corporate infrastructure and and, and then work for themselves or different clients. And therefore, 
you know, change their own potential in, in, in terms of what they are. But for me, that single pillar of curiosity gives you everything that you discuss, that growth mindset and that, that opportunity to change, shape, grow your own future. I think that's really right. And I remember I can really resonate with that because I come from a family of scientists. Both my parents were scientists and professionals. And two of my sisters have gone into one's a lawyer and one's a doctor. And I was always I'm the eldest of three girls. And I was always the one that was more arty. So that went, you know, went to drama school and kind of went to the BBC and everything. But I'm the one out of my three sisters who loves what they do. And they have gone into what is classified as reaching your potential because they've gone into the, you know, as a society would say, a professional role, but absolutely hate it. So I think it's very much about realizing what makes brings you joy. Yes, absolutely. And careers and potential is all about that. So how did you find your joy? Because you've done, you know, I've known you for probably about 15 years and you've done and you do all different types of things. How have you, you know, how do you realize your potential? Or do you think about it in that way? Oh, I, I, yes, I think about it all the time. I spend a bit of time, I think, looking at what is the point of me. And, I, you know, and easily 15 years ago or so, I've always been kind of curious in what makes me tick. I have worked myself and run a few different businesses since I was, I left university, did about a year within a, a corporate environment and then realized that wasn't for me, went freelancing, consultancy, built my own companies. And essentially, I have to look at what interests me. If I'm navigating my own career path, if I'm making a career pathway for myself, goodness, you've got to make it interesting. <laughs> you know, people sometimes are bored in jobs, right? If I'm bored in my job, it's a really bad job because I made it myself. But actually, I realized by doing a bit of work on myself, uh, you know, and being coached, that what is the point of me? And I realized a truism, which is the thing that really makes me tick is raising people's horizons at scale. I, you know, it's never, never front-facing on anything that I do, but essentially I like to learn some information that actually fewer people know because it's emerging and therefore I find it really interesting to work out something new to be able to share that with not just one person, but a lot of people to be able to do that. And I, I think therefore, to me, that's the truth. And you can apply that in so many different ways. You know, I was, you know, first in government and the head of social media, first to launch open data, Worked with some of the TV channels and looking at second screen and listening, you know, or social media amplification when that was new in conferences. And now I feel like we're at a new frontier with, you know, Web3 technology. And I'm so interested in understanding and learning and being able to teach people that ethically. So that's what makes me tick. And, and that, that's my navigation, if you like. Am I learning, growing, sharing? Am I doing that at scale to help impact? And, and having impact is something that really lights me up. So one of the things that when I've been listening to you that strikes me is that is there a difference between sort of entrepreneurial potential that you exude and that the kind of really brings you the joy and energizes you and how that potential feeds into a corporate environment because our listeners are going to be from corporates as well as kind of startups. So I call it entrepreneurialism in um in corporates and I advocating as much of the mindset of an entrepreneur in a corporate environment because it's, it's so needed and it's so necessary. So in my early career, I spent 12 years working in central government departments. I was always a consultant, but essentially I considered myself an entrepreneur inside government 
helping break change barriers, boundaries, you know, help with the kind of digitization of government services. And for me, it's as important that that growth in entrepreneurial mindset, wherever you are, whether you're in a startup or whether you're in a corporate business, and arguably, you know, corporate structures need that a little more to be able to shift, move and change when they have bigger structures that don't enable them to be as agile as smaller businesses and startups. So if people are listening to this and thinking about where do I start, are there any hints and tips that you'd give our listeners to kind of get them thinking about their joy, thinking about things that energize them and realizing their potential? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think it's, there's a couple of exercises you can do really easily, which is, you know, sit down and list out everything that you do, right? You know, everything you do in your day job, if you like, and that might be emails, presentations, meetings, whatever it might be. And really separate that into four buckets. And one of those is things that you absolutely love and you're better at than anyone else. Things that you're pretty good at, better than most people at. Things that actually you're not as good as other people, causes you a bit of pain to be able to do it. Things you're absolutely rubbish at. (laughs) And that really helps you with where you are now in your career, looking at where your strengths lie. And I think if you've got any opportunity to identify your personal strengths and your personal joy to be able to understand yourself so that you're able to communicate those strengths to other people uh, that you work with, your managers, you know, your team, whether that's a communication skill or something you just really enjoy. I always take the trouble when I, you know, when I have a new member of my team to really try and find out what makes them tick. One of my team really loves going and seeing bands. How can we bring in the music elements of some of the work that she's doing and allow that potential to be able to do it? You know, if you perhaps like traveling, how can you build that into your client base, even internally, you know, understanding how you are. If you're really good at a particular subject, identify that and say, actually, I get really good joy doing this. The thing about identifying is that if it's really easy for you, you might not value it, but that doesn't mean to say other people don't value it. So once you've done that, if you're brave enough and, and, and considered enough, you can ask other people what you think your strengths are. And I find that fascinating. I've had that feedback myself, um, whereby the things that I think I'm really good at, other people have come back and said, no, it's actually your energy and your network and your commitments and, you know, the way you get things done. There are people who do strategy as well as you, but actually this focus in how you deliver that and the type of person you are is why we want to work with you. And I think that feedback is absolutely critical. I think it really is because I think feedback's a gift. We say that a lot. And in in one of our career sprints, one of the exercises we talk about is strengths. And we kind of challenge people in the room to go off and, you know, text, WhatsApp, call and ask, say, what's my top three strengths? And it's a light bulb moment. I've done it myself, so I can really identify with that. So thanks very much for sharing that. So you talked a little bit about um, some of the podcasts, some of the things that you've read. Are there two or three that, you know, you think if you were going to really focus, you know, our listeners on realizing their potential or thinking about their career or even doing some inner thoughts about themselves, they could listen to or interact with? Yeah, absolutely. And there's one that I started about three years ago and I come back and I look at it every year and it's really helped me. And it's called Screw Work, Let's Play. (laughs) And um, it's by a gentleman called John Williams and it's a book, but it's also a workbook. So essentially, the premise is, imagine all of your income was covered for the next year. What would you do if you had a year off? What are the things that you would like to do? And I do this every year. And every year, my 
things that I would do on my year off change. And he encourages you with ways to bleed it into the work that you do and deliver. And it's totally shaped what I've done and deliver in the last three years. You know, one of them was, you know, I want to experiment in art. I hadn't picked up a paintbrush until I was 13 and then managed to paint, sell art, get in an exhibition, hold online exhibitions, because actually I identified an area of my life that I hadn't brought into my life because I thought, well, that's something I'll do a bit later when I've got a bit more time. And for me, there's no other resource really that I can give you that works as well for people to understand what really makes them tick. Because if you're doing what you absolutely love to do for a living, then, you know, work is an absolute joy. I love that. Tiff, before I let you go, I know people will be really fascinated to learn more about you and be able to find you. So where would people, if they want to connect with you, find out more about your 842, all the other work that you do, where, where are they going to find you? Thank you, Joe. That's really helpful. So the work we do in, in Web3 and Web3 training um, and deeper digital engagements, uh, generative AI, holographic technology, um, and, and just helping kind of projects is Curate42. And it's curate42.com. And the 42 is numbers. I'm Tiffany St. James on LinkedIn. And I'd love to do you hear from anyone. Um, and have a network there and I kind of post about newer technology and how people are using it within that regard I'm Tiffany St James on Twitter I'm always happy to have a chat there I have a social impact fund for anyone who's looking at how technology can raise funds uh, for charities which is techartimpact.com they're the spaces that I hang out on the most professionally and I'd love to be able to um, hear from any one of your listeners there Fantastic. Well, I've really enjoyed talking to you. It's been fascinating. We've kind of dotted about, but the biggest lesson I've taken away is life's too short for beige. It's one of our values. And that joy, I love that book. And I'm going to go and buy it. Screw work, let's play. So watch out, LTT team. I'm going to be uh, talking about that in more detail. Thank you, Tiff. Have a great day and see you soon. Thanks so much for inviting me on, Joe. Have a great day too. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Potential for What podcast. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to our new episode all the way to the end. And for that, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. As always, you can head over to letstalktalent.co.uk forward slash podcasts to check out all the links and resources in the show notes and to sign up to our email list.